to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and I recently went to a convention in Pensacola, Florida called Pensacon. One of the celebrity guests in attendance was Glenn Morshauer, who plays General Sam Lane on Supergirl. What you're going to hear on this episode of Supergirl Radio is a short interview I did with Mr. Morshauer at Pensacon, as well as snippets from his panel there, in which he either talked about Supergirl or playing a general. And you might want to pay close attention to the questions, because you might hear a familiar voice ask one. I had a really nice time meeting and chatting with Glenn Morshauer and was very motivated by his inspirational words, so I think you're going to love what he has to say. And if you are in the Toronto area on March 23rd, 2016, go see Glenn at the Power of Success Conference at the International Center. You can visit the website for the Power of Success at powerofsuccess.ca. Enjoy this special General Lane episode of Supergirl Radio. For General Lane, did you know about the character before you were on Supergirl, or did you have to do research? I did not. I knew nothing about General Lane. I'll tell you what's interesting, though, is that as I did my own research, I found out that DC had introduced the character of General Sam Lane in 1959. Now, how funny is this? I was also introduced in 1959. <laughs> I think it's funny that the year I was born is the year they, they actually came up with the character. That's very fitting. Yeah. So um, he's been played by a few other actors, so it's an iconic character. And frankly, I'm just honored to be in a line of people that have, have done this. So it's, it's pretty cool. I've never had a character that other people had played before I got to it, you know? Yeah. General Lane is kind of a hard guy to like. He does some shady things like kryptonite torture. Mm-hmm. Um, and he admitted that the day that the Earth stood still was mm-hmm. the movie that made him kind of fearful of aliens. Have you mm. seen that movie? And what do you think made General Lane feel that way? I have not seen the movie, but I certainly remember shooting that scene. In fact, it's the only scene we shot twice on the show because the first spin on it was not, I guess, what the original writer had in mind. It was just different. It wasn't a matter of it being good or bad. It was just different. So they called us back in to do a reshoot. I never got to see the original. and um, But I personally have never seen that movie. But yeah, that's that's Sam Lane's... You know, he, he remembered the army feeling defenseless, and that inspired him. He wanted to, I'm sure, grow up to be a difference-making type general so that uh, the aliens wouldn't come and take over the world, you know. And, and, and that meant something to me. I, I, I think this is going to be kind of an on-the-fly study of who this man is and watch him evolve right in front of me on a case-by-case basis. With each new episode, I'm learning more about him, which makes it fun. It makes it exciting for me. That's awesome. And uh, just one last quick question. Um, we know how General Lane feels about Supergirl, but I was wondering what Glenn Morshauer thinks about Supergirl. About Supergirl or about Melissa? Uh, both. Uh, I think both are extremely cool, and specifically Melissa Benoist is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met, not just worked with. I adore her, and we have a lot of fun working together. Personally, I think that both of us are kind of hoping that uh, we will find a way to get along in character as well as we do in person because we are certainly adversarial with one another because her superpowers, um, General Lane finds somewhat embarrassing that she manages to show up and do what I can't seem to get done with my precious troops. So uh, he seems to be mildly offended by that. But uh, Melissa herself is so charming that I'm my secret desire is that they find a way 
for us to befriend one another so that we can uh, be friends and not enemies. <laughs> but we have to honor the storyline, so, right. you know. Well, that would be awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking course, a few minutes to speak with me. It's my pleasure. It's nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Thank you guys for coming out. Most of you just here today or all three days? All three days. And how many of you were in the panel we did for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this morning? See, look at this. And you came back. Well, that's so cool. And I know you want to hear more about baloney in the end. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of love for you in the room. Welcome back. Is this your first Pensacola? No, no, no. In fact, um, the film that really changed my life, not the film that got me underway, but in every actor's career, there will be a pivotal moment. There's an identifiable moment where the ship really took off. And that was a movie we filmed 60 miles away in Mobile, Alabama, called Under Siege in 1993. Yeah. Oh, wow. So we used to run over to Pensacola, and frankly, all the guys from the naval base here were our atmosphere there on the ship. So we were using real Navy personnel, which was awesome. I love this city. Uh, the beaches here are fantastic. Although people like me tend to not spend an abundance of time on beaches, we watch other people do that. And then when they take pictures, we look at those photos, and, and if you have my kind of fair skin, we actually have to apply sunblock in order to look at the photos. <laughs> well, that kind of actually leads into the, the title of this panel, which I, I did not come up with. It's just the title for the panel, The Go-To General. You play a lot of military roles in your career, and especially a lot of authority figures in your career. What, uh, is there something about you that gravitates casting directors towards that, or is that something you enjoy playing? I can tell you exactly what it is. My dad, <laughs> my stepfather that raised me, Harry Morshower, I took his name, and this is the way my stepfather sounded, and he was a Navy guy, career Navy guy. And I never served in the military personally, but this is a man, and I'm not exactly, all the stories that I tell, they're not embellished. They're exactly the way they were, even if they sound extremely dysfunctional. Uh, my, my stepfather used to wake us up at 07, and let me teach you how to, how to spell that. That's spelled S-E-B-M, seven, 0700. He used to come to my doorstep and say, up and Adam, hit that deck, let's roll. And that happened Monday through Friday from age six when he adopted me until I was 18 years of age. And somehow in that, mimicking him became a way of life for me. I had no idea that I was a mere few years away from people giving me paychecks for mimicking my own stepfather. And, and that's what happened. And he raised us with tremendous backbone. And uh, so uh, he was quite an authority figure. Uh, head of a, a major corporation, ran the family a lot like a corporation. And somewhere in that, I developed a spine. I myself am uh, a pussycat by comparison. I am a very tender-hearted person. So the man I play on camera is uh, is not at all who I'm like, without, with one exception, and that is the series 24. If any of you know that series, I want to give you a little background on that character. Thank you. Character Baron Pierce was supposed to have lasted for two weeks. Not two seasons, two weeks. And when I signed on to do the show, I thought I would be doing only two episodes. They got a lot of fan mail very quickly 
saying that the relationship between President David Palmer and Aaron Pierce was very brotherly, and they loved it. And they decided not to put a bullet into my head. I was intended to receive a bullet in week two of the show. Week three, because I wasn't part of the pilot, so, but my second episode. And they changed the trajectory of that, and I lasted longer than anyone other than Kiefer Sutherland on that series. I did seven of the eight years. And here's what I want you guys to know. And thank you. It means a lot to me that you come to hear my panel. I want to tell you why. And I don't have any bad feelings about this. I'm just being very honest and transparent with you. I'm not the guy that typically con guests come to see. I'm not. And by the way, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't matter to me. I love people. So the ones that come to see me, I think I'm about ten times as touched as the other actors who expect the theater to be full and so forth. So it, it just means a lot to me. Well, I do a program all over the world called The Extra Mile. Many of you may be aware of that. If not, if you go to YouTube and see my name next to it, you will see inspirational or motivational speaker. And my single biggest event I've ever done is this March 23rd in Toronto. If any of you live up north, maybe not in Canada, but closer to that area, and they asked me to take the stage with Sting on the 23rd of March. And you can look this up on your phone. If you look up the power of success, Toronto, you will see what is the single most satisfying event of my career. So more to the story of Aaron Pierce. Um, obviously, if he was just a kind of what they call a paper towel character, meaning that they're going to have you work for two weeks, there's not enough time to build interest in you, and we're going to wad up the character and throw him away like you would have used paper towel. But once they kept him around, now they have a problem. Well, here's the problem. They never intended for him to last. Therefore, we have no character plans for this. Make sense? Right? We weren't going to keep you around, sir. No offense, but you weren't plan we weren't planning on having you here. So now we've got to figure out who is Aaron. Howard Gordon, the executive producer of the show, was very aware of my motivational speaking. And he said, what would you think if we developed a character who was based upon everything you yourself believe in? Honor, integrity, loyalty, power of the spoken word, intrinsic goodness, honesty. All of these are things that I truly value from the very epicenter of my being. And I said, so it sounds like you want to pay me to play me. <laughs> And they said, indeed, what would your thoughts about that be? I said, I think, frankly, it would be great. I think that Aaron Pierce would wind up becoming the moral compass of the show, which is truly what happened. Um, when people see me on the street and all through, still today, I mean, we've been off the, show, off the air for five years, not counting the reshoot they did in, in London. But when people come up to me on the street, they tend to want to hug and not a handshake. That's so touching. I can't tell you how gratifying that is. And, and men who call, come up to me with their, their boys and say, my young men want to grow up to be like Aaron Pierce. And not Glenn Morshaw, it's Aaron Pierce. But what they don't know is Aaron Pierce is the mirror image of who I am. So if you know that show, you already know me personally. All the other characters that I play, every one of them is an act. Um, so, 
I've noticed that you're close. You've been in three of the biggest video games in the past five years. Uh, Are you a Call years. of Duty player? Call of Duty and a Battlefield player. Awesome. And I just want to ask, you know, how do you be so calm? Because me being in the service, we, we would have some downtime and we would play Call of Duty. And we would hear your voiceover, especially. You got bogeys on your six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or this is base play. You have boat. You know, you have you know, hostiles coming in from the north. Coast yes. Over there. Um, how do you get to that? It's very calm. And we've I've commented to my friends saying, you know, I wish our radio operators were as calm as this guy. <laughs> I mean, I give you a straightaway answer that it will be very accurate. You ever see the movie Black Hawk Down? Yes. Okay. My favorite movie of my career. And I played Colonel Tom Matthews. And Colonel Tom Matthews, I had the distinction of being the only actor in that film who was playing a man who was physically present on set. Colonel Tom was our technical advisor. So I can't tell you how daunting it is to play someone in front of them. And he was never more than about eight feet away, including when we were up in the air, in the chopper. And I was asking him about the mission and how he felt about the mission, and specifically when they called the attack order, which was code word Irene. I still remember it. I remember it vividly, and I thought a lot of the colonel. And he said they relied on us to maintain an icy calmness because there's enough chaos on the ground, and the best decisions are not made from in it. The best decisions will be made out of it and above it, where you have a broader perspective. And he said those men relied on us to remain calm. So if they're losing it, at least there's some stable presence that isn't. And I was that stable presence, that's what he said. And when you're researching a guy's life, since you're going to be playing him, you want the intricacies of his story. Like what, what made you tick during a firefight, all of that. So I really believe that's the answer to your question. That's where it came from. It all stemmed from Colonel Tom Matthews. Thank you. You bet. Cool. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I just wanted to compliment you on all oh. the Marvel movies and TV show you've done. Oh, honey. And just the acting that you've done is so cool. Aww. Honey. <laughs> oh, you mean my darling. <laughs> Five-year-old son and a 33-year-old daughter, and her name is Emily. And you remind me of my precious Emily when she was a little girl. What's your dream? Really, truly, what's your dream? To be an artist. Okay. So here's what I want to tell you about dreams. In this world, there are two kinds of people. There are dream dreamers, and there are dream havers. I want for you to be a dream haver. Know that that is possible. It's entirely possible. And one word brings it about. And the word is yes. Just yes. Continue saying yes to your dream. And ignore not most. Ignore all of the naysayers. Anyone who tries to diminish or reduce. Or here's a word you'll remember me for saying. Or poo-poo on your dream. <laughs> ignore them all. Because... We have this one beautiful life to live that we know about, and you're living it, and you are a bright and shining young lady. So I want you to have your dreams come true. Does anybody else have a question they'd like to ask? 
Well, to, to take off of what she was just asking you about, you've actually, you, you've done Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you've actually also done one of the X-Men movies, so you've kind of done both parts of the Marvel Universe, Correct. whether that's been broken up, and you're part of the DC Universe, so you're one of the few people that I think has been able to to pull that kind of trifecta. Yeah, and I, I, and I didn't realize that these were separate camps. And I mentioned this in the, in the uh, wow, look at this, you guys knew that. I had no idea. I, I was you know, I was walking blind, but uh, when I went over to um, you know Supergirl, which is DC Comics, I had several. I would refer to them as purists, who was like I was cheating on my wives. Like you do know that's a DC show, and, but and, I mean both camps have been very gracious to me, and and uh, oftentimes it's either or. But I've been blessed to do both, and this year. You know, I'm doing uh, the Supergirl series on CBS. I'm also doing a wonderful show on Netflix uh, called Bloodline with Sissy Spacek and Kyle Chandler. Any of you watch that show? Okay, it's a very dark show. And I play the drug lord on the show. <laughs> really? You want Aaron Pierce as your drug lord? So they asked me not to shave, so I have a beard, and uh, I deal with cocaine, and I make people go away permanently. Um, hey, can I have a little fun with the audience? Sure, here? please. You guys want to have some fun? Woo! All right, so I'm going to teach you how to, how to count to ten in Texan. <laughs> of course, most of you don't need a lot of help because you're Southerners already, but now we're going to make you specifically Texan. So just repeat after me. You ready? One. One. God, they're too good at this. <laughs> two. 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 You got to stick your neck out and look a whole lot more stupid than that. <laughs> it's two. Two. Three. Three. Next one's two syllables. It's not four, it's four. Oh, it rhymes with lawn mower. <laughs> Say it again, four. four. Back of the throat, five. five. Six. Six. Let me hear that whistle, six. Six. Seven. Seven. Spelled L. God, they're perfect. S-E-B-M, <laughs> there is no V. We had a march on the state capitol in 1951 and had the, the letter V removed from the number seven. Seven, S-E-D-M, back of the throat, eight, eight nine, nine, and not one syllable, two syllables, ten. ten. And it rhymes with Glenn. <laughs> I had a good old boy come up to me in Houston a number of years ago. I was speaking at uh, St. Thomas University there, doing my program, The Extra Mile, which is the love of my life, by the way. Acting is secondary. I love it, but I really see it as part of a heavenly plan, uh, a whisper from God, really saying, so I'm going to allow this dream to come true, but it's, it's in order to have you really be able to reach back to the community and help people in their journey home. Just to come back to a place of absolute peace and authenticity called The Extra Mile. So, and it's a very entertaining show, and all of my shows include many different characters, and no two shows are alike. It's a lot of fun. So, one of the things that I like to do, and I thought they might enjoy this, is uh, what's called a vocal warm-up. And before every one, before every show I do, first thing in the morning I do is a vocal warm-up, because our voice is our tool. And so I want to do the vocal warm-up for you, if I may. You can time me. I should be able to get this out in just under 60 seconds. When I start, does someone have a second hand, or is it only cell phones? I've got a, a time. Okay, do you know that in, in a class recently I was teaching, I mentioned in this exercise that we were going to be going clockwise 
And I had several people looking at me that didn't know what that meant. No, really. I mean, you think of it, how do you not know clockwise? Of course, because you use your cell phone to know what time it is. Okay, so you ready to time me? Uh, yes, I've got you right here. All right, this is called a vocal warm-up. Ready? Just tell me go. Go. Trinidad, and the big Mississippi, and the town Honolulu, and the Lake Titicaca. The Pope of Canapital is not in Canada, or brother Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. Canada, Malago, Remedy, Brentacy, Canada, Malago, Remedy, Brentacy, Canada, Malago, Remedy, Brentacy, Canada, Malago, Remedy, Brentacy, yes, yes. Tibet, 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 Nagasaki, Yokohama, Nagasaki, Yokohama. Three, four, what a to do tonight, today, in a minute or two, till two. A thing distinctly hard to say, but harder still to do. The beat it to do at 20 to two, and the rat a tatata tatata to two, and the dragon will come when he hears the drum at a minute or two, till two, today, in a minute or two, till two. Beba. Beba ti 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 beba, beba ti 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 beba, beba ti 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 sa, beba, beba ti 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 beba, beba ti 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 beba, beba ti 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 sa. Aluminum linoleum, aluminum linoleum, aluminum linoleum. Toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Cinnamon, 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 cinnamon. Unique New York, unique New York, unique New York, unique New York. Woo war, 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 woo. Wow. Fifty-six point three five seconds. For my students to teach them how to get all that information out in less than 60 seconds. I know we got to have more questions. Come on, guys. Just looking up here now. So in the live-action Transformers movies, yes. uh, the first one, your character was killed off, and then you're playing a different character in the second and third. That's correct. How did that happen? That happened as a result of a phone call from Michael Bay, who calls me Dude. And Michael called and said, we had done three films at that point. I told the story at the earlier uh, uh, you know, talk that we did. And so Michael asked me, he said, dude, you want to do the sequel? And I truly said that. I said, to what? <laughs> I don't know. I certainly knew it wasn't the sequel to Pearl Harbor. <laughs> no sequel there. But uh, he said, the Transformers, dude. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, I'm not kidding. We started in two weeks, and you know I love working together. So uh, what do you say, a fourth outing together? And I said, Michael, of course the answer is yes, but can you just tell me this one thing? Does it in any way bother you that I died in the first one? <laughs> And he said, um, no. I said, just no. I said, well, you, you realize, I mean, am I wearing prosthetics or anything? And he goes, no. I said, you know, I'm going to look strikingly similar to the guy I played in the first one. He said, yes, you will. I said, so what's the difference? And he said, we're going to change your rank. <laughs> really? That's genius. And anything else? He said, yeah, we're going we're to change your name as well, and I don't want to tell you what it is. Are you home today? I said, I am. He said, I'm having a script messenger to you, hard copy. It's on its way over, it'll be there within the hour. And when I got to my doorstep, I opened it up, and the name of the character is General now, not Colonel. I was Colonel Sharp in the first one. It's General Morshower. He has named the character after me. I thought Michael was on Quaaludes. <laughs> I really thought, really? Who does that? I mean, I, really, it's bizarre. And I thought he was punking me. I did. I thought, you know, we're, I'm looking for cameras. And I went to the wardrobe fitting, and son of a gun, there my name was, embroidered on the uniform. And I thought, this is for real, arguably the greatest honor ever, because it's not like that film isn't seen by a lot of people around the world. So I got to play General Morshaw. And as a result, you know that I have people who actually, because it was named after me, who actually come up to me and they think I am a general. <laughs> a joke they really do they think i'm a real general and that they found me in the military somewhere and it's like it's a character 
Anyway, there's answer to your question. Thank you, sir. like to work on the episode of Supergirl where uh, Red Tornado was introduced. Can you tell any stories Oh, it was great. I mean, you know, yeah, a British actor, a wonderful actor, and we we just had large quantities of fun. Uh, a lot of uh, special effects in that episode, I guess in, in most of the episodes of Supergirl, but that one was, a, was especially satisfying for me. You know, part of uh, doing an episode like that or a movie like that is you're often acting to things that aren't there. In fact, it's pretty common where all of a sudden you're, you're looking up at something's arrival up in the sky and you have to track it going across and, of course, there's nothing there and even have to track them following the eyes down, 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 bam, and they'll cut to, you know, the tracking shot of the actor coming out of the sky off of a crane being lowered or whatever. And so you have to be really good at creating things that aren't so to be so. Oftentimes you'll act with an X that's on the corner of the camera box, and that X represents a human being. So there was a lot of that to that show, but man, they edited it together beautifully. Great, thank you. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for the interview today, by the way. Thank you. That was great. You're an angel. Now, are we going to see more of Sam Lane? Oh, yeah. In fact, I just finished another episode last week, two days before the con started, and uh, flew down here from L.A., and I go back, I live, my wife and I moved back after 35 years in California, we moved back to our hometown, which is Dallas. And um, so I go back to Dallas for a couple of days, then return to LA this coming weekend, and I will be back there for uh, the end of this episode and stay over the following week to do the season finale. So I have two left this season that will be on. And then we'll see whatever the network decides about next year. But I think he's an iconic character, and as long as the show is around, I think Sam Lane will be around. By the way, I've had 40 now, 40 screen deaths. 40. And I'm not interested in Sam Lane being 41. And I don't think they will since they've never killed him before. So, And I love the people there. It's a great job. Okay, you spoke a lot about your stepdad. What did he think about you becoming a general on TV? Um, he loved it. But I will tell you this. We had, again, these are raw answers. None of these are pat answers. I don't believe in pat answers. I just believe in the truth. My stepfather was concerned about acting being a difficult profession, right? And that's a fairly common concern for people, that now you, you want to do this for a living? I mean, you, you didn't say hobby, son. You want to do this for a living. And he was the CEO of a major corporation that was quite successful. And he wanted to hand me the baton. He wanted me to take over the corporation. And it was something that would have paid me a lot of money and it would have been steady and predictable. And here's one of my least favorite words in life, safe, yeah. right? But there's a saying in life that although safety brings comfort, risk brings reward. I'll say that again, safety brings comfort, but risk brings reward. And I knew the reward I had in mind, so I didn't mind taking the risk. When I said that to him and turned his offer down, that's when he knew. That's when he knew that this was a life thing for me, that it was not something I was going to try, it was something I was going to do. And obviously, when I started playing a lot of military people, oh, he ate that up like, like good ice cream. <laughs> he did, he just loved it. And there's a saying that I, I teach my actors when I do these big seminars for hundreds and hundreds of actors. And I let them know that I've had a wonderful career as a character actor, and specifically, here's why. 
how many of you, and this was like to 300 actors uh, at an LA seminar recently, and I said, how many of you are either from here or have moved here, most had moved there, because seldom do we meet anyone born and raised in LA anymore, but how many of you have moved here to pursue a career as an actor? Please, if so, raise your hand. How many hands do you think went up percentage-wise? That's correct answer, it's not a trick question. 100% of the hands, 300 hands went up that night. And I said, okay, this will be the single most important takeaway. You can put your hands down now, and this will be the most important takeaway I give you, and I'll give you a solid 10 takeaways tonight that will change your life, frankly, and your chances of working in this industry, but this will be number one. I said, the reason, the single biggest reason that I have had every dream I've ever had come true for me is in 1977, I did not move to California to pursue a career as an actor. I moved here to have one. You hear the difference? I did not move there to pursue one. I moved there to have one. Pursuit is not having. And I went to do some having and have been very fortunate. And I really believe that the clarity with which we label things determines the outcome. I believe that with every fiber of my being. So my, my thought for you guys for, to, for today is whatever your dream is, don't think about pursuing your dream. Think about claiming your dream, having your dream. Because the world is full of dream pursuers and you actually can move to the next level which is having it come true. It's entirely available. I think they're gonna invite us to leave now. So uh, God bless you all and thank you so much.